Look as you might. Look as you might. Yeah, I can't find him. He's in there someplace. You know, that's, that's how some people feel about God. All the stuff that goes on in our life, confusion sometimes, busyness sometimes, whatever it might be. Do you ever ask yourself, where's God in the midst of all this? I do. So my goal today is to help all of you believe, not just understand, but believe that God is at work in your life. Now, some of you might say, he might be at work in other people's life, but I, he's not working my life, and I want to dispute that. And hopefully I'll convince you of that today. Some of you don't want God to speak to you. Because you've learned that when he speaks to you, he might ask you to do something you don't want to do. I saw this video of the Pope the other day. They had edited it, obviously, but apparently he doesn't like people kissing his ring. And so in this video, someone would come up and start to kiss his ring, and he'd jerk his hand back. The next person, jerk his hand back. It was so funny. About 10 times he kept jerking his hand back. That's the way some of us are with the Lord. I'm not sure I want him to be at work in my life. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for that group, obviously, but I want you to think about this journey of life, and I'm going to give you a little visual for that in a little bit. We know the journey of life. It's like when you take a road trip and all kinds of things can happen. You can have highs and lows, and you can run out of gas, and you can have a flat tire, and you can see beautiful things. It's quite a variety. And life is like that. For me, when I think, when I go back and kind of review my life, I think, gosh, when I was a little boy, I had this idyllic childhood. When I was brought up in the 50s in a Christian home, and my parents loved me, and gosh, life was pretty darn good when you compare that to a lot of stories I've heard about people. And then came junior high, and I discovered girls. Girls are different than boys, and they can hurt you. You can feel real good about them, and you'll think they like you, and then they don't. And sometimes you wonder whether they like you or whether they don't. Guys, any of you identify with that when you're in junior high? You liars, all of you did. <laughs> then I got to high school, and uh, I, was, I, I didn't study. I never took any homework home, ever. So I got C's. And I wasn't a very good athlete, so after my sophomore year, I didn't go out, out for athletics anymore, so I guess I got an F in that. But when it came to inappropriate behavior, I got an A. <laughs> and then I went to college and flunked out, learned the hard way, and then went back a few years later and graduated and got A's. And then marriage and home, you know, all the things of life, all the stuff of life. There's quite a variety over the period of time, isn't it? There's lots of hurts, lots of wonderful things that happen. But I want you to see how God is involved in all of that more than maybe you're even aware, the more than you pay attention to at times. So I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought about Peter's life, the disciple Peter. And we obviously don't know everything about his life, but we know enough in the scriptures that he faced some things that all of us face. So I want, I want to go through seven of those 
And maybe you'll identify with one or two or three of these, maybe all of them, saying, oh, I didn't realize that was the Lord. I just thought that was something that happened to me. Okay? So I'll call them defining moments. Defining moment number one is, could this be what I've been looking for? So the first time we know about Peter is in John chapter 1, when he and his brother Andrew met Jesus for the first time. Now they, like everyone in that culture, had been, there'd been this silence, apparent silence, where there's nothing written anyway, of 400 years of God doing nothing. So they're, they're expectant, they're looking, they're searching. And then this happened, John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Okay? So they were following John the Baptist. Now it says they followed Jesus. So the idea of this is that they're searching for something, and I'm saying they initially thought, and, and I'll prove this as time goes on, could this be it? So what I want you to think about in your life is undoubtedly you went through a period of time where you were searching, looking. I don't know what I'm looking for to make me happy, but I'm looking for a husband or I'm looking for a home or I'm looking for a career or I'm looking for more money. But there's this longing in each of us where we're searching, we're looking for something. Jared made, made reference to Pascal's uh, quote last week, there's a God-shaped empty place in everyone that only God can fill. There's this sense of, and I remember this very distinctly in my life, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. How can I find what will make me, I'll use the word happy or content? So the first little note that I'm going to put up here, I'm going to put up a series of sticky notes is, Jesus, could this be it? Could this be what I'm looking for? There may be people here this morning who are in that place. I'm not sure if I believe all that stuff, but could Jesus be what I've been looking for? Defining, defining moment number two is I'm not saying no, I'm saying yes, I think, or I'm saying yes, maybe. So Peter has an, account, an encounter with Jesus, and it seems kind of weird. They met Jesus and they started following him. What does that mean? Well, the implication of that in that culture was that Jewish boys, girls to a certain degree, but they learned different, different things. Boys learned their school was the scriptures. Their, 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 their point of study was the scriptures. So they learned the scriptures in their home. They memorized, they talked with their parents about it, and they learned at home. That was their education. Some boys learned at the synagogue through a rabbi. So he gave them an education, and like we go to school to learn, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, they went to school to learn the scriptures. That's the way they learned. They memorized much of the scriptures. Then if you were smart enough, you could be picked by a rabbi. And, that, and you'd literally follow that rabbi wherever he went. You lived together, you went various places, and you talked, and he, he taught you a worldview. So Peter 
started following Jesus, but he was kind of flaky about it. He followed, but he didn't really follow. We know this because in Matthew chapter 4, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brothers Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Notice these words, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men, is the way most of us remember that. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Virtually every scholar of the Bible says that's a different incident than John chapter 1. So apparently, Simon followed for a while, but then he kind of got flaky, and Jesus came back again and said, follow me. And there's more of a commitment this time, but again, it's not for sure yet. We'll talk about it in a minute. So there are those times in our life, I had that kind of a time in my life where it was like, I think I'll follow Jesus, maybe. <laughs> Wasn't fully committed. It's just like, I'm not saying no. I'm saying yes. I think I'm saying yes. In other words, maybe. So the second sticky note, maybe you're there, is this is a timeline of your life. They're not necessarily in this order, but it's not saying no. I'm saying yes, maybe. In other words, you're looking for something, now you're saying, this might be it. I think I'll say yes, but I'm not all in yet. Maybe. Then number three defining moment is, I could never be good enough. How many, how many hands on that one? I could never be good enough. I tried, but I can't measure up. In Ginger's life, she was brought up, not her immediate family, but her, her aunts and grandma on her mother's side were, were very legalistic Pentecostals. And Ginger wanted to look pretty and comb her hair nice and dress nice and put on makeup, and she was shunned. Sounds crazy now, doesn't it? But she was shunned by her family on her mother's side because that wasn't godly. So Ginger kind of tried to follow the Lord a couple of times, but it was like, I could never do that. Those Christians are different than I am. They don't think like I think. I could never measure up. And part of that comes from realizing other people's expectations, but some of it comes from a revelation of who God really is. Notice this next incident in Peter's life. Jesus, you remember the story. Jesus is on the shore teaching. He asks if he can use Peter's boat. He goes out a few feet. And when he finishes teaching, he says, go out into the deep, throw out the nets, Peter. And he caught, been fishing all night, caught nothing. But now there were so many fish that his, the nets broke. And he knew that a miracle had happened. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this or not, but notice what it says in Luke 5, 8. When, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He realized by understanding a glimpse of who Jesus was that he was sinful and he fell on his knees. Isaiah... You may remember Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah was praying 
And he came into the presence of the Lord, and he also fell on his face. Woe is me. There's this sense of, I am a sinner. Some people don't think about that very much, but you come to a point in your life where you realize, I'm a sinner. I cannot meet God's expectations of perfection. I can't do it. I am a sinful person. So the next little note is, I could never be good enough. Some of you might be there right now. I can't measure up. These Christians, they're all different. They don't do this and they don't do that. And I want to do that and I want to do that. And I can't do this and all that. Maybe some of you are there right now. Defining moment number four is, I get it. I'm all in for Jesus. So I said maybe at five, and I said maybe at nine, and then at 25, you know the story, so I'm not going to tell it, I fell on my knees and I totally gave my life to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? Speaking of himself. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, but what about you, he said. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then he told Peter, as you remember, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. This, my Father showed you this. So it's that moment in time where you say, I get it. And then you cross the line of faith. Melina, I saw the video. It's awesome. She's in California going to Rowan McManus's church. She, she gets in the tub. She walks up to the microphone. She says, Jesus is Lord. I'm all in. And I went, yay! Because we've been praying for that for you ever since you came to America. That's wonderful. I've seen that happen so many times. I was in the doctor's office the other day getting some stuff burned off my face. And uh, after the doctor left, the, the intern nurse was in the room, and he stayed later than she did, and, and he looked at me as I was putting my shirt, and he said, when I was 19 years old, you led me to Christ. Do you know what that does? It's like, oh, gosh, thank you for telling me that. Because, you know, there's so much crap that comes your way. All That makes it all worth it. And... And Tony, Tony said, I would have stood on the back of the pew if you'd asked me to. And then there's another person that was on our staff, and she said, I came, to work, I came to church the first time, and I had such a hangover, I couldn't hardly see straight. And she received Jesus that day. I mean, story after story. So it's, I'm all in. And it happens lots of different ways, but... But I, I hope you realize, you know, this book that you, that you have, or you, you probably have it in your phone, but it's unfortunate in some respects because if you actually, actually have the book, there's this letter named Matthew. This, Matthew was an eyewitness and knew eyewitnesses. He wrote down what happened. Mark wrote a different letter. This is what happened. They were eyewitnesses. Luke, 
I studied it all out thoroughly. I studied what everybody else said, and then I studied it out, and this is what I say about the life of Jesus. And it's in this little, little book called Luke. And John, he didn't write his book until he was old. The other ones were within, you know, a lifetime of Jesus. So they were credible eyewitnesses. And then John, he was an old man by now, and he wrote this little letter called John. And then, and then we've got the letters of Paul. These are just letters. He wrote to a church in Corinth, and he wrote to a church in Rome. And Peter, he wrote first, first and second Peter. These are, it's not just, well, this is the Bible. These are eyewitnesses' accounts of what happened in the life of Jesus. And there comes that moment in time where you say, I get it, I understand it, I'm all in. Maybe some of you are there today. Maybe you just referred to Melina. Maybe there's some of you. You're ready to be all in. You've been thinking about it, but now you're ready. And defining moment number five is, nope, you can't talk me out of it. I love this story when Peter and James and John went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and you may remember the story. Elijah and Moses appeared to, appeared to Jesus and the disciples as they were praying. And so you got the law and the prophets represented there. And Peter said, gosh, this is good. This is fun. Let's, let's pitch a tent and stay right here. This is, life is good. This is a wonderful experience. And then a cloud formed and they were in... Elijah and Moses and Jesus were enveloped in the cloud. And then a voice said, this is my son. Listen to him. The cloud disappeared and Elijah and Moses are gone. In other words, the old covenant up till Matthew, that's gone now. Now, it's, Jesus. it's all about Jesus now. The new covenant. Do you think that you would have been able to talk Peter out of believing in Jesus after he was on the Mount of Transfiguration? Absolutely no way. And there comes a point in your life where you may go through some experiences of one sort or another, and it's like, you know, I believed before, but now you could argue, you could present any case you want to me. I can't be talked out of it. I know that Jesus is the Son of God, and I know that my faith is in Him, and I know I'm going to heaven. And the people in the New Testament believed that so thoroughly that for the first 300 years, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a Bible. But they had the stories of eyewitnesses. And they literally overthrew the Roman Empire without a shot being fired, without a sword being swung because of their faith. They believed in Jesus. They were, they were all in. You can't talk me out of it. I'll give my life for it. Many of them did. So I hope that some of you, I'm sure that some of you in the room have experienced that where it's like, you don't, you don't just say I'm all in, but now it's like, oh gosh, no way you'd ever talk me out of this. Then defining moment number six is Oh my, what have I done? So, 
How many of you have failed the Lord? Now, for some people, it might mean that you committed a blatant sin, you disobeyed him, and you come to that point in your life where you realize, oh gosh, because you're all in, but you failed. I remember a time in my life when I was walking around the worship center at our church and I literally fell on my knees and face down on the floor and wept. Maybe you've had that kind of an experience. Lord, I, I love you, but I, I blew it. You remember Peter's experience like that. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. He said to all the disciples, you're going to deny me. Peter said, no way. That'll never happen. These guys might deny you, but I never would. A few hours later, he's out in the courtyard outside of Caiaphas' house, and uh, he's warming himself by the fire while Jesus is inside being interrogated. Three different times people came to him and said, I, I recognize you. You were with him. No way. Not with him. I don't even know who he is. And one of the gospel writers says it so dramatically. After the third time, the rooster crowed, as Jesus said it would. And Peter looked at Jesus, and Jesus looked at Peter. And it says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I failed Jesus. That's, that's not a fun time. Maybe some of you are there right now. Maybe it was drugs or alcohol or sexual sin or it could be any number of things. But you're in that place right now. So God is at work in every one of these situations. But maybe for some of you today, God is at work in you because you failed. And maybe you haven't made it right yet. Maybe you haven't fallen on your face and asked the Lord to forgive you yet but you can identify with that. Defining moment number seven is, okay, Jesus first, me second. Now this is, this is uh, I'm going to talk more about this in, in three weeks, but uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, as you know, if you've been here very long, because I've referred to it numbers of times, is when Jesus met the disciples on the beach. It's recorded in John chapter 21. Peter denies Jesus three times. Most people believe that, that he made, it was three times that God asked him to follow him before he, he really did. So three times following, three times denying. And now Jesus asks him, he's been raised from the dead, Peter denied him, he wept bitterly, Jesus meets him on the beach, and Jesus says, do you love me? Three times. And apparently from that moment on, Peter is, is uh, unwavering in his commitment to Jesus. I thought about how to say this the other day. Some people are committed to Jesus. You know what that means. 
I'm in. Then there's another aspect of surrender to Jesus that means I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's a big step. When you don't just say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe John 3.16. No, no. Or I'm committed to Jesus. Well, what about when he asks you to do something you don't want to do? Are you surrendered to him? We talked about this the other day, Larry. Are you surrendered to him? Third aspect is, do you love him? Because you can say, I'm committed, I'm in. You can say, I'm surrendered. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But if you do it because you love him, not because you have to, that's an altogether different level of relationship with Jesus. So, Jesus first, me second. Commitment, surrender, and love. So I put up here these in this way to communicate that idea that we started with of a journey. Now, they might not come in that order necessarily, but probably most of you in this room can identify with one of those, maybe more than one along the way. Those of us who followed the Lord a long time, I, I can identify with every one of those. It's not where's Waldo. God is involved in your life. And if you think about Peter's life, you can identify with him, can't you? Maybe not in every way, but in some ways you can. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And just, just think with me this morning about some of you may be searching. Some of you be, may be saying, yeah, I think, I think Jesus is the one. I'm not saying no. I think he's the one. Some of you may be saying, I could never do that. I could never live that way. Wonderful thing. He doesn't ask us to do that on our own. He takes us by the hand and helps us live that way. Others of you would say, I'm all in. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I give my life to him. Some have walked with him long enough where you'd say, you know, anybody could give me any. You're not talking me out of this. I've experienced too much of the life of God for you to talk me out of it. Others of you might be at a point of failure right now where you, you failed. And the wonderful thing about the Lord is that He doesn't throw us away. He doesn't give up on us. He comes and He invites us. Okay, you, you failed, yes. Come back to me now. I want to just ask this morning if there's anybody who would say, you're kind of at the point of the line of faith where, where you haven't said I'm all in yet. I think I believe. But you know, I'm at the point in my life now where I want to say I'm in. I'm giving my life to Jesus. If that's you would, you, would you look up at me right now and just let me acknowledge with you that today you're saying I'm giving my life to Christ today. I'm all in. I'm going to follow him. 